Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans. Episode 131 of the Talk is Cheap podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Talk is Cheap NYG. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Now that we have that all out of the way, I'm Matt Lombardo. And as always, I'm joined by Ryan Dunleavy. We cover the Giants for NJ.com. And if you're just jumping back in ahead of week one of the regular season, boy, oh boy, what a crazy offseason you've missed. But Ryan, We are on the precipice of the season opener against the Jaguars, all of the debate about the draft, all of the debate about the quarterback, all of the conversation about Odell Beckham's future is all in the rear view up on the shelf. It's back to football time. How are you, my man? Good, good. If you're just jumping back in, then you're looking at this team and being like, who are these guys? Like, who is that coach? Who is this running back? Who is this offensive line? The Giants had 89 players in training camp, Matt. They had 89 players at the end of training camp. They Since Sunday morning, they have cut 44 of them and kept 45 of them. That's unusual. Most teams, obviously, you have to cut down to 53 from 90. The Giants cut down from 53 to 90 and just kept cutting. It's like there's no shortage of pink slips in Dave Gettleman's office. Uh, He took care of all family business between Sunday and probably uh, Wednesday afternoon is when the dust settled for this week. And, you know, last year coming off a 3-13 and season, Ryan, I don't think it's – I mean, obviously this is an almost unprecedented amount of turnover in such a short amount of time. But the fact that Romeo Arquara, I believe, is the only player that was – was actually picked up off waivers goes to show you that this is the Giants turning over the bottom of their roster. And I think the rest of the league has kind of looked at it and said, okay, those are guys, those are depth guys. And the Giants filled them out with other teams, just guys, just depth guys. Yeah. The one exception to me, and I I don't know, I think I might've written one or two stories about it was Davis Webb. I can't wrap my head around it. I was on this podcast screaming. I was on, uh, I wrote my only column since joining this beat on draft night. I didn't understand why you picked two young quarterbacks. I Webb in 17, Loletta in 18. I never understood it. I said it didn't make any sense. Uh, turns out I was right in one regard. You don't need two young quarterbacks. It doesn't make any sense. You need a veteran quarterback. That was yep. one of my points back in April. I just didn't realize at the time Laletta was going to be the guy, not Webb. 
And to cut Davis Webb after 17 months without ever seeing him take a regular season snap uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Still doesn't, even after hearing Pat Shermer justify it. Uh, I get if you want to go with Laletta. Uh, I don't understand why Webb's not your third string quarterback in that regard. If you want a veteran quarterback, I can almost understand that. And this is not a shot at Alex Tanney, who is a really nice guy. He's taken 17 snaps in his entire 14. career. 14, yes. He's thrown 14 passes. I don't know how many snaps. He's thrown 14 passes in his career. Yep. That's four, that's 14 more than Davis Webb. He's been on nine teams in seven years. Yep. Uh, so he doesn't exactly check the box for me of experienced yeah. backup. Yeah, here are two things for me. Number one, I think that when you looked at the reasons why they drafted Kyle Loletta, and I wrote this right around the draft, and I think it resurfaced after the news broke and after Pat Shermer's press conference on Monday – I think there are a couple aspects of his skill set that they zoned in on. The um, quick reads and the quick release. He processes information quickly and he delivers the football accurately. And I think that Davis Webb does a lot of really nice things. He has a, a plus NFL arm, tremendous arm strength, but he does hold on to the ball a little long at times, which is expected for a young quarterback. And he never was the most accurate on the short and intermediate throws. And I think that that's going to be the hallmark of the Pat Shermer offense. You look at what Case Keenum and Sam Bradford did last year, and, and you look around at what he's done in the past with his quarterbacks, it's been those short, intermediate throws that produce a high completion percentage that I think Oleta has a chance of excelling at. And I agree with you on Alex Tanney that if you value an experienced backup, A, I don't quite understand it because you have a 37-year-old starter in Eli Manning, and B, there were several, as I wrote on Monday, several veteran backups that could go in at a moment's notice, step in and play at a high level in place of Eli Manning, and that's an unknown when it comes to Alex Tanny. Yeah, that's what I – it's just I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. Eli's had some veteran backups. We understand Eli Manning never misses a snap. We understand that, but if he doesn't, that, but if he does miss a snap, then you're turning to Tanny or Laletta. And to me, Webb had Webb took all the second team reps, every single one of every single rep Davis Webb took until the preseason finale. He was ahead of Laletta and Tanny. So if you were going to make this decision, and assuming you didn't come to this decision 20, 24 hours before cut day, which is uh, possible. I think it's entirely uh, possible. Uh, I think that I, I think that they were leaning that way when they started Kyle Loretta in the preseason finale yeah, against the Patriots. I, I got to think they were leaning this way, at if not at the start of August, in the middle. I don't understand why you wouldn't bump Tanny and Loretta up the depth chart and get them some work with the second teamers or even the first teamers. Uh, Loretta to Odell Beckham, I don't think has ever happened. So... I can't uh, or I don't even know if he's thrown a pass to second team guys like, you know, Cody Latimer. So I can't uh, I can't see it. I don't I don't understand it. But like Giants fans have been quick to tell me on Twitter, it's the backup quarterback. Yep. And for, and yep. for, tw- for 2018, it probably doesn't matter. For going Correct. forward, I think it does. But this is about 2018. And for 2018, Eli Manning's your quarterback and he'll probably be your quarterback in 2028. So. Yep, and everything that the Giants did this offseason was going all in on Eli Manning for 2018. And now it seems for beyond that, maybe to 2019 or 2020, depending on his contract situation and what they wind up doing there. But as far as the 2018 season goes, Ryan, it's all about the Eli Manning, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham 
show. And we can all talk about the holes on defense. We can all talk about the secondary. We can all talk about um, whether or not Eli Apple is going to step up. But to me, this season will be defined by what the offensive line is able to do up front and what Eli Manning is able to get out of his skill position players. Because to me, that's the organizational philosophy. They're going to win on offense with a dynamic talent around Manning. And now it's incumbent on Manning to prove to them that it was the right call. Exactly. And he's really kind of the key, Matt, to the whole thing. Uh, You can always say that about the quarterback, but I think offensive wise, the Giants have loaded him up with skill players. uh, And then the offensive line is that that's really another one. I mean, Eli, you could put it all on Eli Manning, but really the offensive line to me is uh, really going to say if Manning has enough time to do this, I mean, Manning's uh, Shermer's offense is really based on short completions. So will Manning have enough time to get those off? And will Barkley have enough holes that he doesn't have to be a magician creating, uh, creating crazy moves in the backfield just to gain four or five yards. Yep, and I think that that's an area where Saquon Barkley is really going to help this offense, and it's not just making the crazy moves behind the bunt line of scrimmage to get positive yardage in the run game. I think people need to stop thinking of him as a traditional running back and looking at him as a weapon, both as a a runner and a receiver. He averaged 11.7 yards per catch at Penn State. That's probably a little unrealistic as a rookie in the NFL, but I don't know why he can't average upwards of nine-plus yards per catch because you can move him around. You can, you know, throw it to him on wheel routes. You can line him up in the slot, have him go against the middle when he's matched up against a linebacker. He's going to win that matchup 99 times out of 100. And when people evaluate Saquon Barkley at the end of the year, I think he has a chance to produce some eye-popping all-purpose yards, even if the rushing yard total hovers right around 1,000 yards or thereabouts. Because like you pointed out, Ryan, and we've talked about all offseason, the right side of that offensive line in particular, I think could be a major struggle for this Giants team. But Barkley is such a playmaker in the open field, and he's such a, a reliable pass catcher that I think that's where he's going to help take this offense to a new level. Yeah, I've been saying all along with – the numbers to watch with Saquon Barkley are 320 to 340 touches, which are ca- carries plus receptions, Correct. and maybe and maybe 1,600 yards from scrimmage, yep. which which is receiving and running. And Alvin Kamara won Rookie of the Year for the Saints last year with about 1,550. Uh, so I think 1,600 is a, probably a good number for Saquon. Yep, that's where I'll be anticipating as well. And I've written that several times, as you have. We've been all over that. Um, And and where Barkley and Evan Ingram and everybody on this offense is going to benefit, Sterling Shepard as well, with more space to operate over the middle, is a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. And when this team can stretch the field, when Eli Manning can connect with Odell Beckham Jr. for a 45, 50-yard gain down the field, now all of a sudden, safeties have to play a little bit deeper in coverage, respect the deep ball, and that allows space for Ingram over the middle and Barkley and Shepard to do their thing. I'll be honest with you, Ryan, I'm pretty excited to see, even though this is arguably the most dynamic collection of skill players on defense in the league for the Jaguars, I'm really interested and excited to see all of these weapons on the Giants offense come together because we haven't seen Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram all on the field together this summer. Yeah, that's true. And that that's why I think people are expecting a uh, 
offensive fireworks from the Giants, and it could happen, but the Jaguars' defense is so good yep. uh, that I think it'll be a really good litmus test, a really good measuring stick for what the Giants are uh, because if they can score points against this defense, then, wow, they're going to be able to really score points against most defenses in the NFL. Yep. And we're going to get into the opener in a little bit here. But, Ryan, why don't you give me your big picture predictions for this season? I know you published your game-by-game predictions earlier this week. Mine go live Sunday morning before the game, so you want to keep your eye out at nj.com slash Giants for those. But I saw your predictions had them hovering right around 500. Um, tell me why you feel that way, and tell me how you see this season playing out. Sure. I had I went seven and nine for the Giants. And, uh, look, I- I'll tell you why I feel that way. And – uh, Kurt Warner, the Hall of Fame quarterback who spent a season with the Giants and is now an NFL Network analyst, uh, basically confirmed everything I thought, which is the Giants schedule is brutal. And before you say, well, the Eagles and Redskins and Cowboys all play the same schedule except for two games, the order of the games matters. And I asked Kurt Warner this on purpose. I said, look, I make a big Home deal. Home versus away also matters as well. Correct. Correct. That matters, too. But for the sake of my argument, I'm saying the order of the games matters. And the first eight, seven games the Giants face, all of those teams are playoff, if not Super Bowl contenders this year. Six of the seven have been in the playoffs within the last two seasons, either last year or the year before. That is a brutal schedule for a team that coming off a three and 13 season pro and with all the changes probably needs a fast start probably needs some momentum. I think the giants are going to be playing catch up all season. I could see them starting two and five. So I just think it's a, br- and then, you know, I fit, have them finishing seven and nine. Uh, I think the schedule, like I said, it's just, they're going to be in a hole from the beginning. I see the floor as maybe five wins. I see the ceiling as maybe 10 wins. So I went somewhere in between, uh, with seven wins, and I went seven, not eight, because uh, I think eight is kind of everybody's like, oh wow, eight and eight, okay, uh, you know, give give me one direction or the other. So I went. I think they're more seven and nine than I think they are nine and seven. Uh, I think what could change that is if the offensive line plays better than if they better than expected and the secondary plays better than expected. And I think what could make that worse is if they, this miserable start and some of the problems from last year, remember the giants were zero and four and that's when all the suspensions popped up and that's when all the locker room grumbling uh, came up. If that kind of thing happens again, then you're looking at another disastrous season. Yep. And to that end, I talked to Olivier Vernon and several of the veterans who were in that locker room last year. And Vernon told me point blank that the litmus test for how this season will go and whether or not this new culture will have a chance to take root in that locker room is week one. And to me, I'm with you. I think that Sunday could be a struggle for this team just because of how dominant that defense is. They have playmakers all over the field. Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, that defensive line gets after the quarterback like nobody's business. And Leonard Fournette is a guy that can help you control the tempo of the game. So I think Sunday could be a little bit of a struggle. But fortunately, Ryan, I think they bounce back nicely in Dallas. I'm very bearish on the Cowboys this year. I think they could have another step backwards. They just lost so much talent around Dak Prescott, and they haven't really um, built up the talent around him. They haven't really replaced Jason Witten or Des Bryant. That offensive line has its fair share of issues. And I I think they're a 
winnable games to be found on the schedule. I think the Tampa Bay at home is a game the Giants have to take advantage of. The Bears okay. are a team on the rise. I think they're a team that could push for a wild card spot, but that's a game that if the Giants are going to hover around 500, that's a game they have to win. I think okay. the Giants are a step above the Redskins. There's a chance they sweep them there. And okay. I think the Colts have a chance to be the worst team in football. So I think that that's a game uh, on Christmas weekend that you have to take advantage of. And as long as you don't stumble in the games that you quote unquote should win, and we know that that always happens to every team in the NFL every year, I think the Giants can hover around nine and seven with a ceiling of 10 and six. You just gave me five teams, though, five games, though, that you think they have to win. One of which was against the Bears, who you just, in your words, yep. are a, could push for a playoff team. Right. So you just gave me five games, the Colts, the Bucks, the Bears, and two against the Redskins that you think they have to win. So let's say in order they, to get in order to get to that nine and seven level, correct. those are so the games where I think they'd be prohi- not prohibitive favorites. But if I were setting the odds today, the Giants would be favored to so, win those games. So let's say, let's do them a favor and say they go four and one. Say they go four and one in the games they should win. Not yep. five and oh, but four and one. Where are the other five or six wins coming from? They upset in the Saints. They upset in the I Jaguars. Think, I think Carolina is a little bit overrated. I'm a little. I'm, I'm not as high on the Panthers as some people are. Um, so there's a win there. I think there's a chance that you could split with the Eagles because of how closely these two teams play each other every single year. Yeah. And I think that the you know until Carson Wentz comes back fully healthy. Yeah and shows that he can be the Carson Wentz of a year ago, I think that team might go through some September struggles. So maybe October 11th at MetLife could be an upset special for the Giants. Okay. Um, These fans are going to like you, Matt. They're going to like you better than me, I'll tell listen, you that. I'm not saying the Giants are going to be favored against the Eagles. I'm just saying yeah. that that game on a Thursday night on a short week where the Giants are coming off a home game and I believe the Eagles are away the week before, that's going to Analysis. That could be a spot, is all I'm saying, where the Giants yeah. could sneak up and steal a win. Yeah. I don't need to tell you this. You were in the press box for all eight, I'm sure, but Giants are one and seven in their last eight games against the Eagles. Correct. So. And the Eagles are coming off a home game the previous week against the Minnesota Vikings. So, uh, again, and, and they're looking ahead at London in the Jaguars the following week. Not that a, a division game is ever a trap game of sorts. Yeah but I think that that's a spot where the Giants could steal okay. a game. Again, I think they're about a 500 team, the Giants. Maybe, maybe a game better, maybe a game worse. But okay. what could change that for me? Um, it's it's the, the defense. I mean, if this defense uh, that was one of the worst against the run last year can be top 10 against the run this season, and they seem tremendously improved in that aspect last year, if the secondary takes a step forward, I think that pushes you into that 9-7, and 10-6 and six level. But okay. if it's what it was, and if the offensive line doesn't gel, I'm with you, Ryan. I think it's seven and nine or worse. Yeah. My, what's your ceiling? Everything goes. Uh, me, everything goes right. Ten. Ten. What's your What's your What's your floor? Everything goes wrong. Everything. I mean, everything goes wrong. We're talking. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. tears an ACL. No, no. I'm just no, no, no. Yeah, we're going here. Like, no. I'm saying. I'm saying like everything that could. Everything you. You know, the offensive line struggles. The secondary struggles. Eli struggles. I'm not saying you know Beckham tears his ACL week one. I'm saying. Right. I'm saying things that could, 50-50 things go the wrong way. Worst case scenario, I, I think the floor is around. Six and ten, seven and nine. I, I, I think that, yeah. 
I think they're a game. You think they're a game or two better than me in all regards, basically. So yeah, I just think that the the talent at the top of the roster is good enough to put them in that conversation for nine wins. But depth is going to be the concern that if injuries do happen, I think that the depth is what could really hurt them. And we saw that last year. Yeah, I mean, we've seen how they think of their depth in the last couple of days with all these waiver claims <laughs> and free, free agency ads. It's like Jerry Reese didn't even uh, – it's almost like Jerry Reese didn't even exist. They, I think he has like eight draft picks left or nine draft picks left. Uh, is, uh, I, it, actually, it might still be ten because Romeo Carl was a free agent pickup. So I think yep. it's still ten, ten draft picks left, most of which are first or second rounders. Uh, it's almost like they've tried to wipe him out. So – which tends to happen with new regimes. I'm just amazed that it happened in such a short so period quick. of time here. And That's it didn't it didn't start happening back in February and March. Correct. You didn't, you didn't see uh, the bottom of the roster guys start to get turned over at the start of free agency. And now you're picking guys up off the scrap heap who were the 56th and yeah. 65th ranked players on a team's 90-man roster. So, yeah. uh, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. And again, the, the Davis-Webb conversation conversation, the bottom of the roster conversation. Th- these are all things that we talk about in August and September, but I don't know how much we're even going to remember it come November, December, January, regardless here's, of where this team is. Here's where you'll remember it. If the Giants are as bad on special teams as they've right. been in as they've been in the past. Riley Dixon, I think, is a big upgrade over Brad Wing. Aldrich Rosas looks better than he did as a rookie. But if the Giants can't cover kicks and cover punts, then you're going to remember it because that's Correct. what they're, do- they're that's what they're doing right now is swapping out special teamers. And I would venture a guess that a lot of what brought this on were the special team struggles of a year ago. Yeah, I mean that's. But again, you had nine months and four preseason games to find your guy. I mean they brought in, uh, you know, not. I'm trying to say, you know, they kept Hunter Sharp around and then they bumped him. They kept yep. uh, Khalif Raymond around and then they bumped him. They yep. kept, they kept William Gay wasn't playing special teams. They added William Gay and then they bumped him. They added Leonard Orion, Johnson. Orion but, well, William Gay, William yeah. Gay was was pretty much done from the moment he arrived. I think that when they, when they moved him but to my safety, point, my point is they still signed him. So correct. like in. In that April was or whatever, when he was where May, when he whenever he whenever William Gay signed, they had guys A, B, C, D and William Gay and they picked William Gay and probably A, B, C and D. Maybe one of those guys would have made the team. So correct. So let's turn the page now. Let's look ahead to Sunday's game, Ryan. It's the season opener. It's the Jaguars. I have a post up right now at nj.com slash Giants at the five key matchups um, that I think will determine the outcome of the game. How about I run through these five? You give me your thoughts. I'll give you mine, and we'll determine who has the edge in those five matchups. We'll make our pick, and we'll look ahead to Sunday. Sounds good to me. The first one, obviously, is the one that all eyes will be on, and it really dominated the conversation in the locker room on Wednesday, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. against Jalen Ramsey. And the, the get angle, the popcorn. Get the popcorn, popcorn, popcorn ready. A, a lot of people were talking about what happened with Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr., and Odell even said that he took the cheese that time. I love he, it. Took the that cheese. That was great. I love it. 
he told me that he learned his lesson from that experience and he's going to block all of that out. Uh, turns out these guys are close. They worked out together in the offseason. They're very good friends. And Odell said that he had this matchup with Jalen Ramsey circled on the calendar as soon as he realized that he was going to be here for sure. So he offered that up the other day. That was uh, an interesting tidbit. That correct. that tells you he is more aware than he's let on that there were trade talks about Correct. It. Correct. That's exactly what that means. Uh, I, I, you know, not to hedge my bets here too much. I think this is a push. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. scores a touchdown on Sunday, but I don't think that Jalen Ramsey will hold him under, let's say, 100 receiving yards. And I think that if either one of those things happen, both sides are going to feel pretty good. Uh, you know what? I'll take a push, too, but I'll go the opposite way. I think Beckham finds the end zone. And I think Ramsey comes up with a pick. So I think they'll I think both playmakers make plays. Uh, so, but, uh, so I'll give it a push, but I think, uh, I think you're going to get a lot of action out of those two. I don't think Manning will be shying away from that matchup. So I think the more the ball goes in that direction, the more odds are there's a play. So I'll go touchdown and an INT. Yeah, but I think we're both in agreement here that the Batman versus the Joker battle in Ah. Gotham, as Jalen Ramsey put it, lives up to the billing. So good. I, I wish we covered Jalen Ramsey. I got to say, he, uh, he seems like a fun guy to cover. Seems like a tremendous character. All right. Uh, the second matchup out of the key five, uh, Jaguars guard and former Giants free agent target, all pro Andrew Norwell against Giants nose tackle Damon Harrison. Uh, Ryan, I think this impacts two facets of the game. Of course, it you know, affects the Giants ability gen- to generate pressure on Blake Bortles, but that's probably going to come off the edge and we'll get to why that might be a struggle a little bit later on. But more importantly, Norwell against Harrison is about limiting Leonard Fournette. Fournette in 13 games last year, 1,040 yards, averaged about 4.6 yards per carry uh, if for the regular season. I have Norwell getting the edge here. I think the Jaguars identified a key need, with the, which the Giants also saw, and the Giants uh, wound up with Patrick Omame. The Jaguars upgraded from Patrick Omame to Andrew Norwell. I see Norwell getting the edge over Snacks. Hey, I'll go with Snacks. Uh, I think Snacks is as good as there is at stopping the run, and that's what this matchup really is about. And I really like the way the Giants' defense stuffed the run all preseason, honestly. The whole the first-team defense, I thought, did a really good job against the run. Now, Fournette and Norwell are another caliber from anything the Browns had to offer or anything the Lions had to offer or anything the Jets had to offer. Uh, this is a whole nother leap up, but I think Snacks is ready for it. I mean, Snacks is... Like I said, he's as good as there is in the NFL. I think Norwell is as good as the is, he there is in the NFL. Uh, Fournette's good. I mean, I think people maybe a little overrate what Fournette did as a rookie. He just eclipsed a thousand yards. Ezekiel Elliott had like fifteen hundred with his in thirteen wide. games though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, I'll take uh, I'll take snacks and friends snacks and friends that's a snacks good and friends you know what that's, that's a good podcast that's great. name yeah. <laughs> if we can ever take, you know get snacks on the podcast we'll have to call yeah, snacks don't and friends. hold your breath <laughs> don't hold your breath but <laughs> yeah snacks and friends i think uh win that matchup all right, matchup number three, Giants rookie running back Saquon Barkley against the Jaguars run defense slash front seven. Um, we talked a lot 
about how dominant the Jaguars' front seven is. Last year, they held opponents to 4.3 yards per carry. Giants' rushing offense only put up 3.9 yards per attempt. If you ever want to see a reason why Saquon Barkley is here, that's as good a reason as any. But as we talked about earlier, Ryan, this is more about Saquon Barkley as a weapon versus Saquon Barkley, a running back. I give a slight edge to Barkley in this category. To Barkley against the Jaguars' front seven? Correct. As a receiver, I think he puts up more receiving yards than he does rushing yards on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, if we're counting in him as a receiver against the front seven versus in, against the secondary, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's matched up against a nickel corner or a safety most of the times where he is a receiving threat. But against the front seven, I'll go with a push. As a runner, I'm going with the Jaguars front seven. I don't see a lot of holes for Saquon Barkley in this game. I think you're looking at maybe 15 carries, 20 carries for like 50 yards. I could see it really being a struggle. And that's not on Barkley as much as it is on the Giants offensive line versus the Jaguars front seven, which I think is really good. Let's be let's add in here. Dante Fowler is suspended for this game. But the uh, Jaguars have enough else. Their front seven was excellent. And then they used a first round draft pick on Taven Bryan, another front seven guy. That's Tom Coughlin, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's him saying, nope, we're just going to keep we're just going to keep adding defensive linemen. Let me ask you this, Ryan. If let's say that the final stat line comes out, Saquon Barkley Sunday, uh, let's say 65 rushing yards, 130 in terms of all-purpose yards and a touchdown, is that a successful debut? Or are the talk talk airwaves going to be filled with people bemoaning Sam Darnold? Hold on. You said all-purpose. Are you counting counting kickoffs? No, 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 I'm counting receiving. So yards from scrimmage. Correct then yes, that's a success. 130 from scrimmage and a touchdown is a success. Yes. Matchup then, number four. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, then you're talking about if that if that's if that's against the best team in the NFL, if you average that out, you're over 1,600 yards from scrimmage. That's, Correct. that's a success. Yes. And yeah, and you're not playing the Jaguars every Sunday either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a win. Yes. All right. Matchup number four, Jaguars defensive end Calais Campbell against Eric Flowers. This could be a real struggle for Flowers. Uh, Campbell has two sacks in his career against the Giants. Last year, Flowers allowed six and a half on the season. I I think in general, the front seven against the Giants offensive line is going to be a Jaguars win. I think this matchup could be a nightmare for Flowers right out of the shoot. Yeah, I, I, I can't any matchup with Flowers. I'm picking the other guy until proven otherwise. Uh, and Campbell's one of the best in the NFL. I think he led the NFL in sacks last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yes, uh, Flowers, everybody's, you know, the coaching staff, his teammates have tried to build him up. Uh, that the move to right tackle is a good thing for him. It might be. But to be ready for Calais Campbell week one seems aggressive. Yep, no, I totally agree. Uh, matchup number five, Evan Ingram against Jaguars strong side linebacker Leon Jacobs. I actually kind of like Ingram here, especially down inside the 20. I think a red zone touchdown could be in the mix for Ingram. I don't think it's going to be a heavy yards total. I don't think it's going to be, you know, six catches for 95 yards. But if he catches two balls for 43 and a touchdown, I think that the Giants would be okay with that because if, if I'm the Giants, Ingram is my primary primary wet red zone weapon and if he scores a touchdown inside of the 20 then I think that's mission accomplished yeah I think Ingram is a pretty terrific receiver uh when they ask him to block it could get uh, against that front seven that could get tricky but 
as a receiver, I mean, look, I've written something. Do yourselves a favor. Google like NJ.com, Eli Manning maximizing tight ends. Eli Manning loves his tight end. He has made, uh, you know, uh, Will Ty and um, Larry Donnell and a bunch of guys have career years going back since, you know, right after Jeremy Shockey, uh, Jake Ballard. Um, so he's made a bunch of guys look like really good tight ends. Evan Ingram is a phenomenal we- uh, receiving weapon. The best, he- the best receiving tight end he's had since Jeremy Shockey. So as far as receiving yards, yeah, I expect b- good news for the Giants that Ingram's out of the concussion protocol. And yeah, I expect him to be in the four or five catch for 70 yard range. Yep. No, I agree. All right, Ryan, the picks post on NJ.com goes live on uh, tomorrow morning, actually, Friday morning. So you can see our picks there. But you get a little preview here. That post will have all the picks of the entire NJ.com staff, uh, a combination of national writers and NFL insiders. But you get our picks early if you listen to this podcast. Ryan, what do you got for Sunday? A little reward for the people. You know? Correct. Crumbs. Um, I got 21-14 Jaguars. Uh, as I wrote, I I know people are going to say, what? The first time Beckham and Barkley are on the field together and the Giants only score 14 points? Again, that's me tipping my hat to the Jaguars defense, which I think is great in an, NF- in an NFL dominated by offenses. Uh, I just think... It could be a defensive struggle, really, is well, honestly what I think it could be. And today's NFL 21-14 is kind of what a defensive struggle looks like. Uh, I just think, you know, I don't think Blake Bortles is great. I don't. The Jaguars receivers are a bunch of who's that guy because Marquise Lee is injured for the season and Allen Robinson left during free agency. Um, so I don't see the Jaguars offense putting up a lot of points, but I just see the Giants kind of getting frustrated. Maybe a lot of drives, maybe where it's a first down or two and then having a punt from like the 50, I could see that being a struggle. Yeah, I think this is a classic test of one of the premier defenses against what might be one of the most dynamic offenses in the league. Um, but the problem here is the Giants this is their first game with everybody healthy. This is their first game with everybody on the field. It's a new look offensive line. These things don't happen overnight. And I think that it's going to take time for the consistency and the chemistry and the cohesion to take foot up front. It could be a struggle for the giants moving the football. Um, I I don't think they get blown out. I think they hang in the game. I don't think there really are that many blowouts in the NFL these days anyway. And I think their talent at the top of the roster is good enough to keep them in the game. The difference is just how talented, that defense is for the Jaguars. I see Jacksonville winning this game 26 to 20. Okay. Yeah. So we're about, yeah, you have a six point differential. I have a seven. That's, I think the Jaguars are like a three, three and a half point favorite for anyone interested in New Jersey's uh, new betting. That's something I'm interested in, Matt. I wonder how many people are going to go over to the track and then walk over to the stadium. I, I, I wonder about that. So. Yeah, I think that, you know, one or two people might partake in the uh, the, the newly legalized festivities. Ryan, any any parting shots on the way out the door here before week one? No. Uh, I, you know what? I'll take a shot at the guy who tweeted at Old Takes Exposed today <laughs> at, with my Saquon. Bar- hey, guys, look at this tweet as Saquon Barkley uh, 
uh, scores his first NFL touchdown. The the tweet where I said that he might, you know, I'm not sure where he'd fit in at Rutgers. You know, they it, it reminds me of that old Geico ad campa- campaign where the guy was living under a rock and came out and saw that Geico saves you 15% on car insurance. Yeah, well, welcome to the sunlight, pal. Very, very true story here, Ryan. My best friend who I went to high school with, he now lives... 10 minutes from Beaver Stadium. Him and I played golf for the first time this summer the other day, and I told him that I work with you, and he just started laughing. He said, I can't believe it. We used to give him so much crap over that Saquon tweet when yeah. we were you know, still in college or just after college. So he... Um, I'm uh, he, remember, he remembers you and your famous in state college infamous, and infamous, I think in, infamous in state college. And, and certainly in the uh, Twitter sphere as well. Uh, how, how do I get a ice cream named after me at that, uh, at that place with peachy Paterno? How do I get, we'll have to come up with a name, maybe solicit some uh, advice that people can, can check yeah. in on Twitter, either at Ryan Dunleavy or at Matt Lombardo NFL. What would you like your flavor to be? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it come up with something for next week there you go he's ryan dunleavy follow him on twitter at ry dunleavy i'm matt lombardo at matt lombardo nfl on twitter um keep it here subscribe on itunes soundcloud stitcher spreaker iHeartRadio, google play youtube we're gonna have to you know have you on the lookout for more podcasts coming your way following week one enjoy sunday enjoy giants versus jaguars this has been the talk is cheap podcast right here on nj.com <laughs>